Welcome to For the Love of Safety, the show for you health and safety professionals out there, where hosts Justin and Jed talk about their experiences in this fun, frustrating, and rewarding field of occupational health and safety. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome to For the Love of Safety. I'm Justin Claven. With me as always is Jed Crawford. And today we're going to be talking about the value marketing and communications brings to the EHS function. Uh, with us, we have a special guest joining us, Nikki Link, who's uh, currently a marketing manager. She's got eight years of experience and has a comms degree from, from BYU. So Nikki, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, we really do appreciate it. Um, we're excited to talk about this. Uh, this is one of those um, those parts of EHS that I actually think is really important. And I know that folks might be scratching their head a little bit and going, what in the world would this have a whole lot to do with EHS? But I think it has everything to do with EHS. Um, at the most basic level, we're both kind of trying to do the same thing. You know, from an environment health and, stamp- health and safety standpoint, we're trying to get somebody to do something. That's, that's whether it's be safe whether it's put on safety glasses, anything that you can think of. At the, the basic essence of what we're doing is trying to get somebody to do something. And I think marketing kind of has the same thing. So, Nikki, could you tell us a little bit about how you feel that the marketing function works within a business? Yeah, um, I've been really happy to be part of uh, various marketing departments in companies that I've been with. Um, I completely agree. I think that marketing, their primary objective is trying to bring revenue to the company or the brand to sell the message or whatever it is that they're selling. Um, And it's also to disseminate messages out to others, whether those are people that they're trying to have be customers or it's others in the organization. Um, they're the ones that are going to be, they, it's kind of like people in marketing have to know everything that's going on within the company because they're the ones that have to bring that message to everybody else. So you're talking, Nikki, you're talking about bringing, uh, bringing value through and, and that value can either be revenue. It can be um, some sort of uh, a message that you're trying to disseminate mm-hmm. right within there. Yeah. Um, and, and for us, it's, we're kind of, kind of doing the same thing. We're trying to get this disseminated. And none of us, at least I shouldn't say none of us, but I would imagine the majority of us may have taken a course in college, but it was never, communication was never really our focus. Um, that was there. And, you know, I, I, think, I think sometimes people have a misconception of exactly what marketing is and how it can help because the first thing we think of are those stupid ads that pop up on YouTube <laughs> or anywhere else that kind of tries to sell you something. Right. You know, and it's it's always at the wrong time uh, that happens. When in uh, in actuality, the, the function can can do a whole lot, um, a whole lot to help and a whole lot to get your message out there. So I, I know for me, um, one of the things that that I sometimes struggle with is is getting people to to listen to understand when when you're trying to tell them all this technical information, mm-hmm. trying to get them to, to understand what their exposure assessments are. And it's hard, I think, to equate on that level. And I've always found it valuable to reach out to our marketing and communications department and say, hey, can you help me get this message across? Can you help me um, sell this information to these people to, to get them um, to get them to, to understand the information that we're trying to give them. I think that uh, a lot of times, it, like you said, trying to get a message that's really technical across to others can be really difficult, especially if it's something that you're specialized in. 
and you know exactly what it is and what it means, but you're trying to give that message to other people who don't have the same background that you do and they're not, they're not going to interpret it in the same way. And so I think a lot of times people that are in marketing and communications are able to take really uh, difficult, tricky to understand concepts and turn them into something that's really simple, a message that's really easy to understand for anybody on any level. Um, another big goal in marketing would be like you were talking about the ads that pop up and they drive everyone crazy. That is something that we try to avoid. We don't want to drive people crazy in marketing. We want it to be the right message at the right time to the right person in the right way. And when all of those things kind of come together and culminate, that is when someone is most likely to actually click on the ad that they saw and purchase something or sign up for a newsletter or read something additional or watch a video, whatever it is that the goal is. Um, so we have to think about how we're, how we're giving that message and what it is that, that we're putting together to say. How simple are we making it, right? Yeah, I, I, think that's, I think that is well said. And to carry that message on specifically relating to EHS... From what Nikki just said, by segue of Justin's point, there's so much good to be mm -hmm. said and had around making the message simple. I think there is a sometimes daunting task within EHS is that we do not need to simplify the message, especially in terms of exposure, where we lose the thrust and the content of what is needed to be said to make sure employees are engaged in the right controls, they're engaged right. in the right understanding of their exposures. You can get too simple and lose some of the technicality that needs to stay, but to make it simple to where any level... CEO, PhD, mm -hmm. uh, the greenhorn can understand that and get that message. That to me takes it from just marketing yeah. or just communications to telling a good story. And I think personally, I think it is EHS and marketing and communications when they work together or probably maybe marketing communications with any facet of the business once you nail down those things to make the simple message and you're telling a good story, yeah. like you said, Nikki, that's when the clicks come to say, I want that. I want that product. I want that thing. Yeah, I connect with that story. <laughs> and that can get, I think, a little just, you know, being honest here, since this is a EHS rounded show, I think that can get a little fluffy sometimes. But then we just have to be, I think we have to be professionals engaging that out. Uh, and when we're trying to communicate the message of EHS, yeah. but I think that was what I think that was really yeah. well said. And I, th I think it's something that has to be compelling, right? You want people are compelled to read or to follow the instructions that they're being given. If it's something that kind of resonates with them, they're like, oh, yeah, OK, I get this. Um, another aspect that I've seen in the last couple of years um, that I, I haven't done a lot of like graphic design work previously. That's not really my forte, but recently I've kind of been brought in and I've been helping with some projects um, at my company. And that that's where the, you know, making things simple thing has really come into play for me. I'm usually the person writing a lot of the copy and the verbiage that's seen in various marketing pieces. And it's one thing to write the copy. It is something completely different to try to design you know, whether it's an email or it's a flyer or whatever piece is going out and it's going to be in front of people and making it look and feel, you know, like you were saying, something that's not so simple, that pieces that are crucial are being left out. 
but also not making it so complex or over the top that people are like, what is this? Like, you know, moving on. So mm -hmm. that's, it's something that can be really, yes. really tricky as well. And I never knew how hard it is to make things so simple and look so, you know, seamless and, and nice and lovely to look at um, until you actually get into a design program and you're putting that together. So just another thought on that. No, that's, that's good. And for EHS, if any of you guys are kind of wondering, you know, where, where would some of this stuff apply? Just think of every newsletter that you've ever tried to send out. Uh, I've always found it valuable to talk to the marketing communications because one, there's different times that you want to send it out that, you know, would be mm -hmm. more apt to get people to click on it. Two, you want to make sure the content isn't going to repeat something that somebody else is just about to say. And it's, it's good to have an outside perspective. And it's almost like a it's almost like giving you guys a first draft to see if what we're trying to communicate even makes sense, you know, cause you guys are, you're, you're not EHS professionals. And I think we get, we get so excited <laughs> about such, you know, the technical details that get in there. And we, we kind of forget that not everyone has, has an idea of exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> and something as simple as a newsletter, you know, that, that you're trying to put out for, for any number of events that you're having, or, you know, if you're trying to do daily safety messages to the, to the staff, I think that that's very valuable to have somebody to say, Hey, if you do it this way, more people are probably going to read what you have and more people will probably click that link and more people will probably read that. And that's, that's kind of what we're all trying to do is get everybody um, on the same page. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very true. Um, and I think for people that are in marketing, they're always happy to look at a piece that's been created by somebody outside of that department. Like I'm always, if someone ever brought me something and they're like, can you look at this? Can you give me feedback? What the, like, what should I fix? What should, how can I make this better? Like, I'm always happy to take a look at that and, and kind of review it with like an eye, you know, the marketer's eye, but then also the consumer's eye or, you know, the, the end user. And, um, so yes, utilize, utilize those people because that's what they're there for. That, that's how they want to help you. So I'm sure this, it's the same for you as well. So I, I wanted to share a, a kind of a few examples of, of times where I found marketing communications to, department valuable and maybe a couple of missteps that we, we may have had there too, just to kind of give everybody a sense of, of how you can, you can integrate and uh, maybe if there's a different way of doing it. And the two things that kind of come to mind, the first is is uh, is a newsletter that, that we developed, and uh, the, we'll, we'll keep it nameless here. Um, <laughs> but I remember that we had, we were doing daily safety messages, and we were getting complaints because people were like, look, you're, you're, you know, you're sending these out every week. There's 365 days in a year, and we're seeing it repeating a lot. So we kind of tried to change the cadence, and, and we wanted to do this newsletter. And, and I am really bad at making newsletters. So as a manager, I kind of reached out to the comms department. I was like, Hey, you want to help me? And they did. They helped us develop this, this schedule. Um, and they taught me what a, uh, I think they called it a communications plan at the time, you know, what that was and how to set it up so that we knew what the topics were, when it was going to go out, when it was going to review, who it was going to go out to. And I remember sending, sending out the first one and just being, being so excited to see that kind of come together and, and, and be there. Um, and we got a lot of positive feedback from, from some, some folks that were there. I think we had a hard time with people actually going to the material. And over time, we actually had to end up pulling that from an email and putting it on a static website. Um, and then it got pulled again and put, 
kind of somewhere else. Uh, but I always, anytime I think of marketing communications, the first thing I think of was how cool, you know, was this newsletter um, that we gave. Now, that wasn't without challenges, too, because there were some times where we really wanted to convey a certain message, and we felt like um, from the comms kind of cut it a little bit too far, you know, where we were like, okay, well, you're missing this this kind of piece of it. This was, was the overall one. Um, and I know there was a lot of discussions around that. And, uh, and Jed, you, you were there for, for some of that at least. Yep. Um, do you, do you remember how, um, how that newsletter came across or is there anything, any, any good memories you had of that, uh, of putting that, that together? Yeah. So I think the, the thing that came to mind or thing that comes to mind on point from the time that I got there, saw the newsletter in maybe its infancy, and then the engagement with marketing and communications harkens back to the point that we were talking about a little bit ago, was trying to make it more simple. Uh, so that was the thing that I saw the biggest and had the biggest impact because we we, we were in basically inundating people with information. So now two things happens, or one of two things mm-hmm. happens. Either the it's too much information and the really good bits become lost, or people just treat it all as noise and tune it all out. And in either case, you, you get the same result. People are not taking the message. And so once marketing communications came in and helped you and then really helped us, because uh, I do remember that, what I saw, or the biggest, the biggest point that I saw, and again, we said this, it became more simple in the sense that, you know, we, we almost had a comfort level with saying, okay, we don't have to spill all of this we can lay this out on a plan. We can lay this out on a schedule. And if people start getting into the rhythm of that, we can shift and change that as need be. But it was making it more simple that I think had a really big impact. Now I have other questions I think that will come in the or later in the show here about taking that to the next level, but I'm going to save those for now. But I think that was the biggest thing for me is seeing it become more simple. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, I think that's really cool, and that you were able to to use the marketing department um, whenever they're kind of coming in and helping to create a campaign around something. And so in this case, that was your campaign was launching this newsletter. You did it one way, felt like it wasn't having the impact that you wanted, and so you were willing to change it. And I think, I think that's really good because in marketing, that's what we do all the time. We're always testing things. We're always testing audiences. We're always testing various means of putting a message out there. And sometimes it works great. And sometimes it doesn't work at all. And it's kind of like throw it at the wall and see what sticks, right? And so in this case, that's a really, what the example you just shared is such a good example of it wasn't sticking. There was too much information in a daily newsletter. And so scaling it back and having a plan and and doing, you know, almost like a drip campaign, having everything all set up probably made it easier on you guys. And it probably also made it more likely for your viewers or your readers to click and and actually access that information. So I think that's great. You did a good job. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Um, So I... Kind of on on that front too of of making it pretty simple. I wanted to give another example of I like how you said throwing it against the wall and seeing what stick because I feel like we tried this um, and I'm I'm pretty sure that Jed had moved on at at this point. I don't think he was there for this one. Um, but uh, and before I tell this story, let me just say 
that I completely supported this. I still support it. I still think that it was the right thing to do, even though it didn't work. Um, but I just kind of wanted to give this example too, because you kind of have to, you have to understand that, you know, you guys, you're not an exact science any more than industrial hygiene, any more that safety is it's not an exact science. So sometimes, you know, you got to be a little patient. So in this particular case, um, our, 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 our rep, uh, had an idea where, you know, we were trying to, to, to really get the word out on a program that we were starting out. Um, and in that program, we were requiring people to actually uh, walk up to a kiosk and submit a report. Um, that we're going to, you know, it, it's kind of like near miss. I can't remember. I don't think that's what we called it, but it was kind of like a near miss report. And in order to get people to do that, you know, we, we tried to do something that was more personal where we interacted with them. So the idea was to get a bunch of cupcakes and walk around and give out cupcakes to people. And keep in mind, there's about a thousand people on the site, right? Give cupcakes to people and give them a little card um, and and hope that, you know, that little card would kind of explain what they were doing, how to do it. And we were hoping they would go to the kiosk and, and go do that. So a couple of things kind of didn't work. The first is that the kiosk didn't work. <laughs> so oh, no. it was kind of hard to get them to go try it because the kiosks, they, they weren't working at the time. Um, but the other thing that didn't work is half of them were like, I don't like cupcakes. I, I don't want this. <laughs> or, um, you know, it, like, oh, it was it was either chocolate or man. something. Or it, it, the other part of it, too, is I think we were doing it during one of their breaks. And they're like, I only have 15 minutes and I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I want to go sit down, have a meal. Um, it was a complete <laughs> failure. It didn't work. Um, <laughs> But I thought it was a it was a really good teaming effort. I thought that the idea was just so creative to go out there and try. And yeah, we threw it against the wall and didn't stick. But we learned a lot from that. Uh, most of which was make sure that um, your equipment is working properly before you you go and and do something like that. But but still, you know, there was there was a lot of um, I think there was a lot of lessons learned that helped shape some of our campaigns going forward from that one. Uh, but that was the one where. Um, and I, I don't know if maybe we, we misread the audience or what, but it, it hit the wall and slid right off. Well, so what did you do to, to get people to use the the kiosks after that? I think brute force. I think we just, uh, we, we kind of started enforcing it and reminding people how to use it. And we started dropping cards off and, uh, we tried to communicate that through their managers and through their staff meetings. But we had already, when, when the people that did get these cards went up in the kiosk, it was like error. They, they just walked away like, yeah, this isn't working. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of kiosks too. Yeah. That's tricky. It's hard when you've planned something out and you feel like, oh, this is going to be really good. People are going to be grateful for this. You know, I'm giving, it's, it's, we call sometimes in marketing, it's a give to get, like I'm giving you something kind of to get something in return. And in this case, your return was them using the kiosk, but unfortunately they didn't, <laughs> some people didn't want what you were giving. And so it kind of failed, yeah. but you kept trying. So that's good. I think the the method of your communication and the means of your performance, whatever it is, in this case it was the kiosk, if those two things aren't ready to go, uh, one, vice versa, can lead to the failure of the other. I think it is a very hard thing to gain somebody's trust back after you've communicated a very large campaign and a very large uh, participation expectation on folks, and then you EHS 
we drop the ball. I think it's a lesson learned to us to say, you know, certainly work out these things with communications as, as much as you can in marketing. Certainly try to have the best message possible. That should be that should be the key every time. But you have to spend yeah. equal, if not more, energy on the thing that actually you're trying to get them to do because if it's not like a soon certain positive and you drop the ball there, why should they trust your message in the future? You know, it's just a lessons learned to say, and that doesn't yeah. mean you can't, you know, problems happen. We all have experienced that, but that, that yeah. is certainly a lesson learned, especially in the environment of EHS to say, we better have this, we better have this figured out because if they go to use these kiosks yeah. and they're not working, what do I need EHS for? You guys don't even do anything that works, you know, so. Right. Yeah. But you, you you bring up a good point from the other side of that too, because you know the kiosk was kind of a benign example, but what if you're trying to communicate something really important? You know, what if you're trying to communicate an exposure, an overexposure, or something that you really need them to do or to listen to? Because we had a uh, a near miss, near hit, whatever you want to call it, event, and we need you guys to change the behavior. And if you mess that up, and you know, I think that losing trust in that way really, really affects your work going forward because no one's going to, going to care what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And you need them to listen to yeah. you. Yeah. Now that that's, I think it's an excellent point because as we all in EHS know, there are certain things, there are certain lines that if they are crossed, life altering incidents are going to happen. And that's exactly one of the core responsibilities that we are to prevent. So I totally agree. That leads me to ask a question, though, um, and really, I want to I want to aim this at at Nikki, but then to help our listeners within EHS, I'd like to I'd like to get some thoughts and some discussion on the idea of visuals. So we talk about we talked about a newsletter specifically. We, we talk about words, and I'm trust me, I'm a big advocate on words because words mean something. Every word that we use has meaning behind it. I'm a big believer in that. I think the art of dialogue and discussion and a lot of that has unfortunately eroded away in our day because of uh, digital communication but i think there is always something to be said about visuals and I, so i don't want to lose that and i want to talk about that you know when we talk about communicating messages for ehs like life-altering incidents justin like you brought up let's say a confined space or some kind of lockout tag out event you know, something that needs to be there. And we're trying to communicate that to them, not just a simple, you know, safety day or something like that. What are the power or what is the power behind visuals? How can EHS professionals work alongside marketing, marketing and communication to employ visuals? What does visuals mean? Just some discussion around Nikki, your thoughts overall on the, I don't even know what you would call that. Is that the soft side of marketing? Um, how, how can EHS employ other means of communication? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think there I mean, there's so many different things that could be construed as visuals in in marketing in a situation like what you were speaking of something that's kind of serious. It's it needs to get, the message needs to come across very quickly and easily. We would yeah, we would not lean towards the same kind of maybe font or style that you would see in a fun newsletter. This would be in a in a serious setting. It would be a bold font. It would be something that's very very easy to read, very large, very very simple in design. It would be something that would grab your attention from the beginning with a headline at the top, and then kind of rest of the information below, kind of filtering down. Most in, most in 
important information at the top filtering down to maybe the least important information near the bottom. And that would be the same with the size. Mm. It'd be kind of mm. like a funnel, right? Um, and that could be something design-wise that, that could still be something that is sent via an email or a flyer, or it could be a poster that's on a wall, any place that they might see it, right? Whether Maybe it's somewhere where people are changing or putting different gear on or off. But yeah, I think always kind of asking the opinion of people in the marketing department when those kinds of materials are being created um, is always going to be important and, and that their feedback is helpful because you don't want to, it's, if, if you've got, you know, like a simple kind of like flowery scripty font, like that's not going to help you get the message across that you're looking for when you need something that's grab your attention, like a red stop sign, it, you know, with bold black letters, like you can't miss a stop sign because of the color and the design of it. So it's just, it's, I, yeah, like you said, it is the lighter side of things and it tends to get overlooked sometimes, but it is something that it, it is impactful. And so it's something we have to kind of keep in mind. Now that's great. That's great. Uh, what are your opinions or thoughts on kind of similar uh, point or, or a parallel point? I continue to see a higher prevalence of videos, whether they're talking heads, they're these kind of third person and then moving into the first person, first person perspective of of trying to communicate the story in a very truncated amount of time, a very short time. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you this, and, and I have another dis discussion point within EHS that I certainly want to talk about whether it makes it into the show or not. Um, but certainly on a truncated amount of time, these little ads or, or commercials that are almost kind of that storytelling, the ones that are done well, I will fully admit, mm -hmm. grab my attention. And, yeah. and I think there is something there for EHS professionals to grab onto. And I will say mm -hmm. it like this, and then we can, we can kind of have the round table here. I worked for a company uh, previous to the one I work for now, and they had a safety training video. They showed it to all their new hires. And the content was fine. But the, the idea was watch this video, and then you will have your kind of introductory training and you can go work your job. Lots of companies do it that way. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but I am saying that if you rely on that solely or you rely on that too much as a crutch for training, people are going to check out. They're not going right. to, you cannot use that as the sole source. I think that kind of, an, of a video, that kind of an introductory thing is more for a place to set values, principles, core messages, the things that are really going to grab and bind someone's attention to the things that we really want them to do that encompass all of that. And so there, there's a bigger story to say or a bigger point to be made about, look, this is who we want you to be as a person, as an employee here. And so what I took there with a quite long, relatively uh, safety introductory training video, we then told a story. We had our CEO. It wasn't just the safety director. It wasn't just this kind of cold room. It was the people. It was the projects. And it was, it was weaving this story that was more about who we want to be. What, what does safety really mean in a short amount of time? And it was received really well. So I was curious about your, your, just your thoughts on all of that. That's a, that is a really great point. I, I think that makes me think about um, kind of marketing psychology and truly there's these little, I don't even, I'm not a science person, so I don't even know if I would use the correct terms, but basically there's something in your brain 
that when you see something um, within a, like from a brand, and it kind of like sparks in your brain. Mm-hmm. And then when you see, you know, so you see it on a billboard and then you see it on a commercial and then you see it as you're scrolling on your phone and then you see it some like in a magazine, wherever, right? It's like all these little kind of things all culminate to be like, oh, this company, this is a good company. This is a company I trust. This is a company I would buy from. This is a company I want to work with, right? To your point about like long form video versus maybe some of the shorter quicker, fast-paced, and but a kind of intense video that we see nowadays. The truth is that video is not going anywhere. If anything, it's only going to become more prevalent as mm. the ability to create quality video recording, which we everyone has on their cell phone, which everybody has a cell phone. It just becomes more and more available. Yes. So that's not going to go away. And I think you bring up a good point that sometimes, because I've sat through some safety videos before too, the long ones from like the 90s where you're just like, you're sitting there and you're like, what is going on? You know, this is so boring. But then someone, some company, like a car company, for example, could put together like a car safety ad or something that's like really compelling and it's like 30 seconds or less and you're it's like got you're like gripped at the end right i think we could do a better job sometimes of telling stories like that in that short way if you can do if you can tell a good compelling story in 15 seconds you've got people Mm -hmm. and people will remember it too because Mm -hmm. it's it's more imprinted in their brain than something that's maybe more long form, but they're starting to tune out after a little while. Hmm. So I don't know. It's some of these formats within marketing, even some of the you know newer digital marketing, but even up and coming thing. Like I'm, I call, I say TikTok. Like it's up and coming. It's here for younger people. I don't have it, but I know a lot of people that do use it. That's how people communicate. And so if we want to follow the trends that way, you know, where the, where all the young kids are and, and we want to evolve the way that we're talking about our brand and we want to have new ways of doing things. That's, that's the best way to do it is to go out and explore and try creating videos in that, in that format Hmm. and see, and again, see what sticks, right? Yeah. I, I like what you said there, Nikki, because I think it is important to recognize that if we don't change our behavior and be more in line with the way that people are consuming information, we're going to lose them. You know, and and times change, technology changes, and even the people that you know at one time would swear, I'll, I'll never have a smartphone, I'll never be on the internet. You know, they they're on on Snapchat and they've got a you know brand new Galaxy S twenty <laughs> that they're walking around with. So it's 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 funny to kind of see that, um, and I, I think we need to make sure that we that we use it as a tool it, and it's just it's just one of the things that you know everybody communicates differently so some people may like it some people won't and so it's important to to recognize that and to you know after you try something to see if it sticks to the wall you need to walk over and see if it if anything stuck or if it all just kind of slid off um, and I also like your point where, you know, it, people only pay attention after 15 seconds. So basically she just said that nobody listens to our podcast <laughs> after about 15 seconds. So Jed, after your intro, people just turn us off. They're done. <laughs> <Just kidding laughs> We're done. Well, it is interesting because podcast listeners though, you know, everybody has their preferences. So yeah, a lot of, especially I think younger people, their attention spans are so short and like. They like those 15 second videos, but other people like I love listening to a good, you know, a good, compelling podcast episode. I'm pulled in by the story and the discussion. And like I will sit and listen to one of those, even if it's an hour and a half long. I'm I'm fine with that. Same with reading, you know, a book. But other people, it's got to be quick and fast. So you've got to be able to pivot and be willing to have various marketing mediums that tell the same story 
but in different ways. I will also kind of plug this in for, for all the EHS people who, you know, I, I know kind of look at, at online training with, with kind of a, a you know, sideways look, like, eh, I don't know mm-hmm. if we can do that, but there is a place for it. And there's certain topics that you most certainly can cover online, um, as long as you have some sort of a knowledge capture there and you don't make it an hour and a half long. You know, if you have a good 15 minute training and you've got some questions at the end to make sure they've consumed the information, I don't, I don't see that being a problem, but there are regulations that require you to perform something in front of somebody else. We need to be really, really careful to make sure that, that you know what those are so that you don't try to put one of these trainings there. And I, I guess it's, Kind of what I was talking about before, you know, know your audience, know what's required um, before you you go down that role. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a great discussion. That's a great question, Jed. Yeah, it's definitely a good discussion. I think I would just add to your point, Justin, for EHS professionals out there. You know, re- realize, guys and gals out there, you know, Nikki, Justin, and I are talking about, I, th- you know, and not not to put words in your mouth, Nikki, but you know, this is. <clears throat> marketing and communications related to communicating and sharing messages about things that we want people and you're, you're trying to persuade and convince and share information. I, I think there is something to be said that there's going to be a, a hard line of division when you've exited the, the, uh, the realm of traditional marketing and into traditional training. Not that marketing and communications can't help you then look at that stuff too, you know, but Justin's point, you definitely need to know when you've crossed that line, because once you've crossed that line, Justin's right, there are certainly a bevy of things that must be done that have to be done a certain way. But marketing and communications, I think, is step one. I think is this is about the, the message that we want to communicate. Training certainly is a number of messages that we have to communicate so I think, but I just, all I'm saying is I think there's a line of demarcation there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. I came across a series of LinkedIn posts. Folks who went to a conference, they were talking about communicating the message. They were talking about the value of telling the story, stuff that I care about, stuff that I think is very important as we have just spent the last hour talking about. There is this uh, approach seemingly in safety now that says that we, uh, we really need to make our messages applicable to the individual employees. You know, it, it's gotta, it's gotta, to use a, uh, a modern vernacular that I do not like, but <laughs> it's used so many times, you know, you gotta hit them right in the feels. You gotta hit them right in the heart. And I asked the question, I posed the question, are we worried as safety professionals that we make our messages too subjective. And what I, what I mean by that, it's like if we're always running after the individual, do we run the risk of losing content, of losing accountability, of losing what we need to push people into? It's not just how you feel about this thing. There is an objective sense. There is sometimes right and wrong, black and white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious to know, you know what you guys think especially when you're, you really try, especially marketing, I'm not saying all marketing, but a brand, a product to get revenue, to make revenue, to get profit, you know, convince them however you have to convince them. 
make them feel like they're the king of the world. I think there's some danger in that with EHS if we're not careful. So I'm just curious, just kind of thoughts, if if that ramble even made sense at all, number one, and just kind of what you guys think. Um, I completely agree with you. I think that uh, I think that we do have to be careful that the message, we don't run away with it and chase after whether it's employees or it's consumers, whatever, whatever it is, whoever it is that we're trying to get after um, and, and let the, the things that are really important, if they just are kind of caught in the whirlwind and, and they're not important anymore, because we, we just want to, we got to get in front of this person. We got to be where they are. But like, we've lost our stories somewhere back there, right? That's, that's a problem. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think we need to, I need, we need to safe, safe hold certain things. Um, and, and I agree. I agree with you. Hmm. So are you, are you talking about making sure that the messages that come out are accurate and that we're not using hyperbole or making something bigger than it is? Is that what you're talking about? I think that could be an example to say that we need to, you know, a lot of these, these guys and gals will say, well, it's not just about compliance and rules. You know, it's about caring and coaching. Well, all of that sounds great until you have an employee who really doesn't care. Until you deal with negligence, until you're dealing with a, a culture of people who have not been taught the right way or have been allowed to go down the path of doing the wrong way for many years. And so, you know, it's like, well, you, you got to coach them. You got to make sure your messages are, are, are taken this way or that way. And there, there just has to be a time and many times within EHS where I'm going to argue that there is an objectivity that must be never let go of no matter what the message. And so I just, I, I personally will, will uh, be very cautious, not that I won't change, because I actually have that start as a point that, that Nikki said, as far as being willing to change, but when it comes to communications. But um, if, you, if you run after one person too many times, and we kind of said this, your message might change so much that it's not even the message that you started out with anymore. And that yeah. I think is a real danger. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, we are responsible for their safety. And if they get hurt, that's on us as much as it is on them, whether whether we like the situation or not. You know, the bottom line is during our watch, they, they were injured. And if we've done everything that we possibly could, and they have made that conscious choice to ignore us for whatever reason that there is, unfortunately, the, the way that I look at that is, you know, I've tried everything. And we cannot take away someone's free choice. You know, it, we're human. And it's it's a basic principle of existence, right? Agency, if you want to call it that. We can't take that away from them. If they decide not to do it, you know, we, we can't run the risk of changing our entire program and having other people fall out of it because this one person won't do what we need them to do. And sometimes you have to accept that as a risk, make sure that management is aware um, talk to them as best as they can, as best as you can. And, you know, just be prepared for the consequences, but 100% chasing after the person, um, you know, constantly harping on them may actually make it worse. Mm, Yeah. I guess I should, I should quantify that too. It would make it worse because now they're just going to actively avoid you before, you know, they may stand in front of you and at least let you talk and maybe it sinks in. But if you keep going after them and going after them and going after them, they're eventually going to completely avoid you, which is where you don't ever want to be. 
Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Nikki. It was great to get your perspective on things. Uh, we really appreciate you kind of coming in and, and giving, giving us all of your, the knowledge that you've accumulated and giving us some pointers. Um, just to kind of summarize what we talked about, we talked about what marketing communication was, how that fits into the business. We talked about the ways that it can be integrated with an EHS. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about how you can use it. And then we had a, a lot of discussion around how to communicate properly and, and how to change as, as the times change and as people consume information differently. I thought it was, a, it was really, really good. And, and hopefully everyone out there kind of got one or two points that they can come and, and, and apply to their own situations there. And I really hope that anybody listening to this uh, with an EHS walks right over to their, their marketing communications department yes. and said, hey, um, can we talk? Yeah, that's a great goal. So with that, we thank you guys uh, for listening. And we'll be back here in, in another two weeks with... Uh, uh, which episode is it? I forgot. <laughs> We'll be back in another two weeks with another episode. <laughs> and there you have it, folks. Thanks for tuning in to For the Love of Safety. You may always reach out to either Justin or Jed by email at fortheloveofsafety at gmail.com. That's the number four, theloveofsafety at gmail.com. Health and safety is fun. It's frustrating, but it is so rewarding. We'll see you again soon here at For the Love of Safety.